Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. You and I, a few weeks back, had a conversation about a case being argued in the Supreme Court, and it had to do with faithless electors. You and I walked through the Schoolhouse Rock version of what that exactly meant, but very basically, it is for each presidential election, when the when the respective parties get together and they have their big convention and they cast their uh, electoral college ballots in support of one candidate or another, those electors are actual people. Yeah, the, the electoral college has been made up of actual people, and the number of electors that come from any given state corresponds with the number of uh, congressmen and women which come from that state. So all the House members plus the two senators. Uh, in Washington, D.C., it's three. I'm not sure how they calculated that number, but Washington, D.C. gets three, and uh, the, the rest of the states have their number of electors decided by how many members of the federal delegation there are. So, quick trivia. In 2016, when Republicans got together in... When Republicans got together in... Uh, in Cleveland, Ohio, can you name can you name any of the six electors who cast uh, their ballot for president that year, as well as uh, obviously the Democrats? So we have six uh, electors. Can you name any of them? I, I this morning when I was hearing the news from the Supreme Court that this big decision had been made, and we'll get into that in a moment. For some reason, the first question that popped into my head was. Who, who, who are electors here in Utah? Specifically, who were the electors, the last to, to cast a ballot in support of a candidate? Well, uh, if, if, if you've been thinking about it the last few moments here, if you've got any, I'm going to give you the answers. All six of them. Here we go. It's Sherilyn Eager. You remember Sherilyn Eager? She ran uh, for the Senate uh, a number of years ago. She was involved in that uh, that massive field of candidates who were contending for uh, a seat in the United States Senate, which ultimately was won by Mike Lee, unseating uh, Bob Bennett. Sherilyn Eager was in the mix there. Also, uh, Chris Kimball, Jeremy Jenkins, Peter Greathouse, Chia Chi Tang, uh, a BYU professor, and I apologize if I pronounced that name incorrectly. And finally, Richard Snellgrove. So anyway, there's your little bit of trivia for today <laughs> relating to Utah's 2016 electors, and we'll uh, see how things play out here. They all, they all, each of those electors cast their ballot for the, the candidate, which uh, you know secured the support via the state process here in Utah. That was not the case. Elsewhere, though, in this country, there were a handful of electors who found themselves in the circumstance of being faithless. Now, that, that phrase, faithless, it applies to they betrayed the system put in place by their state and cast their ballot in the Electoral College for someone else. The Supreme Court uh, 
over the past while has been deliberating as to whether or not that's okay. They've been deliberating as to whether or not a state can require the decision to be upheld by the elector, that decision made by the state, or at least by the voters of that state, if you receive the, uh, you know, if you win the popular vote, should the elector have to go off to the electoral college and cast that ballot uh, <clears throat> on your part? So the, the, the Colorado Attorney General's argument uh, is summed up thusly here uh, by Weiser. If this law is upended and electors are then acting as free agents, then people lose the will of voting for who they want. Weiser, the attorney general from Colorado, Justice Ginsburg questioned Weiser. This is during the deliberations uh, leading up to the decision which was made today. Justice Ginsburg questioned A.G. Weiser on the constitutional crisis. How would a ruling against you actually alter our democratic processes? Your Honor, the chaos that could result could occasion a constitutional crisis. That phrase is kind of cool, right? Constitutional crisis. You hear it mostly, uh, mostly on shows like uh, The West Wing. I remember when I rewatched that show uh, a few years back. Every every episode was a, a con- you know, this could lead to a constitutional crisis. Con- constitutional crisis. Constitutional crisis. Well, uh, the the claim here by the Attorney General of Colorado is that this very well could uh, lead to a constitutional crisis if these electors, these uh, participants in the Electoral College, were were able to cast ballots uh, uh, however they will. Uh, I I may have described things in a confusing way a moment ago. I uh, may have made it sound like these electors were participating in the the convention. Of course, they're participating in the the college. Now, finally, a bit of audio I want you to hear. This comes from the debates. Uh, from the proceedings which led up to the decision today by the Supreme Court, this by Justice Alito, uh, diving into that question of, uh, of this causing a constitutional crisis. Those who disagree with your argument say that it would lead to chaos, uh, that where the popular vote is close and changing just a few votes would alter the outcome or throw it into the House of Representatives there would be the rational response of the losing political party would be to launch a massive campaign to try to influence electors. And there would be a long period of uncertainty about who the next president was going to be. Do you deny that that is a, a good possibility if your argument prevails? We deny it's a good possibility. We don't deny it's a possibility. You heard there from Justice Alito, there was just half a line where he talked about the election being thrown back to the House of Representatives. I, I, I know everyone and their brother and their cousin and everyone w- was watching Hamilton over the weekend. So you know uh, to what he is referring right there. And it is uh, very simply, should there be a tie, should there be a tie in the Electoral College? It is the House of Representatives uh, which takes up the question and, and, decides, and decides the president. Now, that's happened once in history. Uh, well, twice, I guess, if you count uh, those few episodes on Veep. What we learned, too, is, uh, at least on Veep, that if there should be uh, a tie in both the Electoral College and then there's a tie in the House, it goes off to the Senate. Fascinating. Uh, anyway, 
So the decision now, the decision, unanimous, unanimous decision, uh, nine to zero, handed down by the Supreme Court, authored uh, by Elena Kagan, Justice Kagan, uh, was that the states do, in fact, have the authority and should have the authority to enforce, to enforce the will of the electorate uh, on the elector. So uh, essentially binding the vote binding the elector to the will of the the vote in that state and that uh, any you know remedies or any ramifications that the state may put in place to ensure that that happens those are all above board what we learned in 2016 was that there were some uh, who were fined you know for casting a, a vote contrary to uh, what the popular vote of their state led to and so uh, we, we learn now that the states can, those fines are okay. Uh, in fact, the states can uh, invalidate the vote cast by the electorate and replace them with someone who uh, could and who would and has expressed a willingness to uh, to cast a vote in line with the popular vote of that state. Interesting, uh, during, uh, during oral arg- arguments, and I'll admit, I did not read them in full. The, the excerpts you heard here were, were some of the highlights as we were analyzing them uh, then. But some of these oral arguments included uh, some references which caught me off guard, which I think are fascinating and speaks to, I guess, the lightheartedness of the, the court, which I'm not sure if you <laughs> – do, do you look to the Supreme Court for comic relief? Well, anyway, there was a little bit of comic, uh, comic relief as some of the attorneys and also the justices went back and forth. And uh, I, I don't have time to, to share with you uh, entirely what was mentioned, but I will tell you that Frodo Baggins was referenced in oral arguments before the Supreme Court, that the musical Hamilton was referenced during oral arguments before the Supreme Court, and, as you've heard me discuss a number of times, Veep. Yeah, that show Veep, <laughs> yeah, with, starring Elaine Bennis. Uh, Veep mentioned during uh, deliberations before the Supreme Court. Fascinating stuff. I'd invite you to uh, click and clack your way over to the Supreme Court's website, read those arguments, and specifically, uh, why don't you do like a control F and check out what's said about (laughs) Frodo Baggins, Hamilton, and Veep. I right now, though, need to take a quick break. When I return, I'm going to tell you a story, a personal story, about a fire I happened upon on Saturday. Yeah, we put that fire out. No damage caused. It was scary. I'll give you the details next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.